Hi, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, broadcaster, podcaster, activist, and angry, but we're going to work it all out. I'm Anthony Kreiss, uh, law professor, uh, also generally angry, but I've got jokes on Twitter sometimes, so a little bit of everything. But <laughs> Well, uh, Anthony is here today filling in for Senator Ginger, and remember, she's a senator till the end of the year. For now. And she is running for attorney general. And as we started doing this podcast, I mean, things have gotten really, really busy for her because the primary is happening. You've got to go vote. Have you voted yet? I have not voted yet. I, I've, I've had some last minute decisions that I've wanted to make about lieutenant governor. I, obviously, I've got an attorney general pick. I mean, okay. let's be real. I've okay. had that pick for a while, right? <laughs> like from the day Jen announced, I was like, that's... That's who I want, you know, so who but, we want, you know, but I, I've got some other things that I'm going to sort out first. OK, so May 24th is the day uh, to go vote. Uh, the early voting has begun. Uh, do your research on this. I um, actually went to vote today and all the systems were down. So it was like I went in to go vote and they had to, like, call a manager and verify my ID. And it was pretty terrifying, Anthony. Yikes. So you've pretty much been the leader on a lot of things, you being at Georgia State, constitutional law. How long have you been at Georgia State? Um, so I've been at Georgia State for two years. Before that, I was at uh, Chicago Kent College of Law. And before that, I was uh, um, a graduate student at the University of Georgia. So I am a, I am a dog, uh, which is also why I, I think I love Jen so much. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, haven't been back in Georgia for too, too long, but have have pretty deep Georgia roots. So um, got a lot of thoughts on Georgia politics. A lot of politics. thoughts, a lot of passions. Uh, I think what you bring to the table is so, uh, it's kind of like Jen in a way because it's so approachable and real and you give answers that we all want. You know, we all want the answers to so many questions that have been going on because it has, it's been a really tough week. And you as a constitutional law professor, you, your, your expertise is in this. And it seems like everybody's coming to you. I mean, I've seen you on everything. You've been all over the news worldwide. How's that been going? Um, I've, I, I mean, the, the terribleness of the situation aside, I, I will say it's, uh, you know, it's been interesting talking to folks in Australia and in London and, you know, all over the place and, you know, trying to basically educate people on the American constitutional law system and then diving into the controversy of the day. So it's actually been um, really enlightening because you get questions from foreign journalists that you don't get from domestic journalists, right? Which make me think about things maybe in a slightly different way or make me ask different questions of myself later on where I'm like, well, you know, that was an interesting point. Why why haven't we talked about this issue in this way or, or taken this angle or whatever? Um, so actually, you know, it's been, it's been an interesting experience, but it's been kind of insightful for me, but that's, you know, that's why I love being on Twitter and being publicly approachable and engaging with right the public. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like I learn a lot from other people too. And I think about things differently because of those, in, you know, that engagement, but if you're not warm and open, you know, then people aren't going to want to engage with you. And then, you know, just... I agree with you. I think you have to be warm and open. And that's why I've become such a fan of yours. It's it's a thrill to have you in my house and my little home studio here. Oh, my gosh. And I love your dog. 
<laughs> yes. Big we, fan. Yes. Um, so let's get started with the big news. I mean, honestly, I haven't been able to sleep. It's been really rough um, reading about the Politico leak, about the ruling, about Roe on Monday night. Nobody, we all saw maybe what the result was going to be, but we did not see that coming. So what was your reaction when that came out? I mean, total shock in one sense, because a, a leak from the Supreme Court is it's just so exceedingly rare. But to see a full draft of an opinion is absolutely um, unfathomable to me. So, so that was pretty much my initial reaction. But of course, I think my next reaction was, well, that makes sense. Like that's, that's what they were going to do. And, and I kind of assumed that that would be the case, that Roe was uh, numbered in, in its days. So, I, I mean, there's the shock of the process decay and the institutional questions. But of course, that's all secondary to the actual issue, which is Roe is on the chopping block in a way that maybe even I didn't quite anticipate. I mean, I thought it was a possibility, but I didn't think it was a necessarily a probability that Roe would be totally overturned. But um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of my initial my initial thoughts were like that. And Justice Alito's opinion, I'm sure you read through the whole thing. Yeah. And um, it's pretty harsh. <laughs> I've never read it. I've never read an Alito opinion except for maybe one that I ever liked. So and they've never been they're never lighthearted. And I mean, <laughs> they're not they're never they're not a pleasant read um let's just put it that way and um yeah so i mean it was harsh in, in both tone and in substance do you think uh, i don't want to speculate who leaked it and how it got out and why it got out but if you had to guess um do you have any theories no i i mean like Right. Like if I, I if I was a liberal, I might leak it because I would say, hey, what are you doing? Stop it. Um, you know, and, and maybe I think that's like the last chance I got. And But if I'm a conservative, I'm, I'm thinking that people are going to be squishy. Maybe I leak it because I don't want them to change their mind. Um, right. Because imagine if the court comes around and says, no, 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 we're not we're not doing that anyway. Well, then it's going to look like the justices who were in the initial majority. Um, right. That, that, that they were playing politics, which is what. Supreme Court does, by the way, but like it, it will be painfully obvious that that's what they were doing. So I think that's probably what you know th th someone on the right might think to leak it. I, it's really anybody's guess, I think, at this point. Well, first they said it was unprecedented; this never happens. But then some examples have come through that, like this, actually has kind of happened a couple times and here and there and up in the air. Yeah, people have. I mean, people have inside the court have have signaled. Um, to people outside the court, oh, you know, and these have been actually major decisions. So there was some political insider, you know, ball game between a justice and James Buchanan when the Dred Scott decision was about to come out in the late 1850s. There was, uh, uh, you know, FDR got a heads up about the some of the, the Japanese internment cases coming out against him in a case called Ex Parte Endo, which basically was going to force the closure of internment camps. And then before the Supreme Court's decision came down, FDR said, oh, by the way, we're going to close we're going to close up shop. Um, so it, it's, you know, the insider discussions and the, 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 you know, the leaks are not unprecedented in, in, in the Supreme Court's history. But like leaking a full blown draft opinion to the public at large, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother ballgame. And it wasn't a digital. So it was something that was printed out and that was right. Mm -hmm. And that it was handed to a journalist, clearly. Yeah, that's that's what it seems. 
and political of all people. So it's, it's, you know, political journalists. So that just goes to show you, you know, journalists, deep, deep contacts, you know, that, that, that just didn't. Well, I mean, I, I, again, I don't want to speculate because that's what all the, the, you know, the loonies have done. Um, so I don't want to join their camp, but, um, I understand. You know, I, but, I don't want to put but, you on the spot, but, but here's the other thing too, right? Like, you know, I, you've seen people try to draw lines between, oh, this journalist and they know this person, they know. but you know, if I'm, if I'm a DC insider, which, you know, I'm not unfamiliar with DC and DC folks thinking sure. like, I'm not going to give it to a reporter that I have a connection with. Like if I don't want it to be traced back to me, I'm going to find somebody who I think is like a good reporter who I have no connection with. So, you know, to minimize the possibility of being traced back to me. So, oh, that's you know, that's an interesting so take. So, like, why would you, like, you know, if you're going to go all the way out of, of printing it and not having a digital copy and not trying to have a, you know, footprint that can be traced back to you, you know, why would you hand it off to somebody, you know, who's like two steps removed from your social circle, right? I like, get that. I don't know. That's interesting. All right. Well, let's talk about what it means for Georgia. And, you know, it's I, I know this is, a, you know, you're filling in for, for Senator Jen Jordan, who is running for attorney general. And... What is the role of the attorney general in a situation, you know, Roe gets overturned and what is the role of the attorney general and why is it important that we elect Jen? So the attorney general has the responsibility defending the state's laws. Um, And so in the event that there was a, a law that contravenes federal law, right, federal constitutional law, then the attorney general can say, I'm not defending this in court. But when you overturn Roe and you say, oh, anything goes, right, it's, it's, it's completely in the prerogative of the state legislature to do whatever they want. Uh, you know, there's no case to, to be to defend. And so the attorney general really is pretty limited in terms of a federal court defense in order to right, basically side with the plaintiffs. Um, there are also state constitutional protections, though, and the state of Georgia has a constitution of its own that can be interpreted separately and distinctly from the federal constitution. And in fact, um, Georgia in 1998 had a Supreme Court decision from the state Supreme Court that said you could not criminalize same-sex uh, intimacy, right? So, so you can no longer criminalize somebody for having same-sex relationships. And that was a few years before the Supreme Court decided that same issue in, in 2003. So, um, you know, the, the federal constitution doesn't necessarily have to be interpreted or, you know, in, in this, or I should say the state constitution, right, doesn't have to be interpreted exactly the same way as the federal constitution. So could an attorney general of the state of Georgia go to the Georgia state courts and say, I believe firmly that the constitution of the state of Georgia has a broader reading or broader protection for the right to privacy and therefore should protect some form of abortion rights. Um, You could, you know, you could see an attorney general doing that, but you know, it's, it's, you know, on the one hand, folks are going to be pretty constrained by whatever um, the legislature decides and will be at the mercy of elected officials in that sense. But there are things that people can do, including the attorney general's office to kind of move the ball forward and at least protect women's rights to some degree. And everybody's kind of waiting on Georgia. This is a kind of like a, a really pivotal moment because I mean, is this enough to motivate voters? And, and that's, I'm very uh, concerned about that. I don't know if it's, I don't know if people realize the weight of this and I'm scared. But I don't think people understand what the Georgia law is going to be once this, you know, the, the law that's currently before the 11th circuit. I don't think people really fully appreciate what the law is going to be in about three months. 
or two months or even a month and a half. Um, you know, basically fetuses will be designated as persons under the OCGA, which is right, the Georgia code. And that's basically defined at more or less six weeks before many women who are pregnant will even realize it. Um, and the reason why I say kind of at six weeks is because the, the law says that if you detect some kind of cardiac, you know, uh, you know, movement or development, right, which they call fetal heartbeat, it is not that, right? That's not, that's a, that's a, ter- that's a political term. It's not a medical scientific term, but, you know, there's some cardiac, you know, movement or detection. Mm-hmm. Then that, that fetus becomes designated a person. So what happens, right, if you, you know, if a, if a woman terminates a pregnancy or a doctor helps a woman terminate a pregnancy, well, that, you know, if you have a person now um, at six weeks, seven weeks, that's murder, right? Like, you know, we're, we're now. So, let me, so, so I, I, I want to know, number one, how they're going to enforce this. Be, and uh, there's, this is twofold because what you're saying, and then what about IVF clinics? They're having to deal with uh, failed pregnancies all the time after six weeks. I mean, I, you know, I've known so many people. So I just want to know, like, this is obviously it's horrific. Um, but like, how, how do they how are they policing that? How are they going to stop a, a abortion pills from being mailed in? I mean, are we going to be in a society where everybody's going to be going through everybody's mail uh, or are gynecologists going to need armed guards there? I mean, this is terrifying. Imagine, I mean, I'm just, now I'm kind of spitballing, but imagine, you know, you have a very happy couple and woman posts on Instagram, we're pregnant, whatever. Um, and it's through IVF or, you know, and, and the pregnancy is kind of a delicate thing, but they're very excited. And then all of a sudden pregnancy, uh, um, you know, there's a miscarriage or something, you know, something goes wrong. Um, you know, does that, constitute grounds for the police to start investigating whether, you know, that pregnancy was purposely terminated or right again, now this is a person. So imagine, you know, if that, if that seven, eight week pregnancy was, was a, you know, a six or seven year old child instead, right. You know, if you did something to neglect that child in order to cause that child's death, you're on the hook. Well, what happens if, you know, people think, well, you know, maybe she was drinking too much or maybe she did this or maybe she did that. And now, right. I mean, is that grounds? Is that probable cause for a criminal investigation? I, I, I mean, I think it's a very day. I mean, I don't know. Right. And I think the, the problem is we're in a very dangerous minefield because we don't really know what's going to happen. And most importantly, it's going to be up to like individual prosecutorial prosecutorial discretion. Right. Individual prosecutors are going to have to decide, do I, you know, do I pursue this? Do I not? And, and individual police officers are going to have to decide, do I, do I continue an investigation with this or not? That's a lot of power to put in, you know, a handful of people, you know, people's power. Um, but that's yeah. also such a ripple effect. Uh, I've been reading now, if you use a period tracker app, don't use it anymore. I've heard um, as far as like if you're going to an abortion clinic that, you know, it, these tech companies um you know, we all know they're tracking your every move. You know, if I'm talking about uh, Oreos, I'm sure I'm going to get Oreos in my Instagram feed today. Well, look, look at the crazy people who are tracking folks 
in the election season, right, where they said, uh, we bought this data, this whatever, and we realized that there are these 100 people in Georgia, or how many, I think they said 100 or something, um, who repeatedly went by drop boxes. And we suspect that they engage in, in voter fraud because they were by drop boxes That's within right. so, so many feet multiple times. Well, I'll tell you what, I, you know, this, okay, this was what? I remember Jayla. this. And it's funny because my polling place is across the street from Publix. So right. I'm there all the time. Well, and I, I, um, you know, when I was on the dating market, I had a, I had a handful of dates in Buckhead Village and there, that's where there was a drop box. And I, that's where my Ubers always would pick me up and drop me off is at the Buckhead Library. Um, and that's also where I coincidentally dropped off my ballot. So, you know, I was at that Dropbox a handful of times, but I also went to the library um, a couple of times, uh, you know, off Ponce where there was another Dropbox. So, I, I mean, I don't know if I was in that, you know, that select group of uh, potential election fraud uh, people in Georgia, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if I was because I visited places where those Dropboxes are. And of course, it's because Dropboxes are supposed to be in places that people go to regularly. Right. So that's a whole other issue. But if you, if like... Who's to say you can't track someone and say, well, why do they go to this place so many times? And when, Or you know, if that's... I go to CVS and I'm buying a pregnancy test, you know, is someone going to be following out at me? I, I, there's a lot of really terrifying scenarios that it seems like the people who are enforcing these laws, they really don't know the answers to this. So it's uncharted territory. I want to know now, like, okay. The the governor has been a bit wishy washy. Do you think he's like, well, yes, we're pearl life, and me and Marty and the girls, we sanctity of life, but they're not like some of the other ones, like a David Purdue who's saying this is awesome, ban all abortion. Um, do you will it move? Does it move the needle? At all. I mean, he, he signed that fetal personhood bill. I understand. So, I, I understand that. But I like mean, the question is, like, does he want to do the Louisiana Republican thing where they're basically creating zygote fetal right. you know, personhood? So, like, you know, you know, I, I mean, which is basically a criminalization of birth control. Yikes. I mean, I mean, there are there are people who want that. So, do you know, do I think Brian Kemp wants that? Probably not. That's a, that would be political suicide in the, you know, in 2022. I, I mean, do you think so, though? I mean, I just I, I you know, I, I got to and I also wonder, Anthony, as far as the role of corporate America in all of this, because so far the only company or, you know, organization that I've seen take, I think Bank of America came out and said something or Citicorp Um you know, there have been some in Texas who have said, oh, we'll provide transportation, this, that, that, the other thing. I saw the WNBA put a statement out. Um, but what is their role in all of this? Well, it's probably going to be a crime at some point in most states. Right. I mean, that's the other. I mean, in Missouri, right, they um, a few weeks ago proposed legislation to basically create a civil private right of action for people to sue people who helped women go across state lines to obtain an abortion that they could not otherwise obtain in Missouri legally. So you go to Illinois and you come back and, and you help your friend. Well, you're on the hook for a civil, for civil liability. You're going to get sued. Um, you know, that, that's a, one proposal that's been working its way through Missouri, but you know, today's proposal is tomorrow's law. And especially in states that are much crazier than Missouri. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think we are in a place that people are unprepared to deal with. The, the with cre- the ripple effect. Yeah. I feel like, well, not only do I feel entirely gutted and uh, sick to my stomach over it, I just I still, as we talk this out, because we all know, like, and we also know, like, okay, if you're going to do this, then what comes next? Is it gay marriage? Is it interracial marriage? Is it birth control? Um, so you're taking away individual liberties. But I still wonder how they police all this. Are we a vigilante society? I mean, is this, is this, and then also the weight of, like, if I am a big company that is in Georgia, Am I saying and 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 there's a town hall meeting and some of the employees are saying, you know, what are you going to do to help employees with health care when it comes to this? Are companies going to be forced to to take a stand? Probably. I I, I just I mean, where are the companies you know, going to take a stand? If I mean, you know, we kind of saw this in Florida with, with Disney. You know, at some point, the state government has a lot of power if you can't just up and move people. Um, I mean, it's possible that you could see corporations have to take a stand in order to attempt to not have to leave and not lose employees. Because, I mean, there are going to be employees who say, uh, you know, right to hell with this. I, I'm going to New York. I'm going to California. I'm going to Illinois. And um, so that's a very real possibility, I think. But I, I, it's, I mean, we're just in such uncharted territory I, I, I mean, it's like I'm very rarely a loss for words or a loss for thoughts, but I think that's kind of where I'm at right now because I don't know what people are going to do. Um, my suspicion, though, in Georgia is that we're pretty much locked in with the law that's that was passed a few years ago. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't share the ideological worldview of David Ralston in particular at all. Okay, but at the same time, I think Speaker Ralston also understands that, you know, there's a limit on uh, on what you can do in a state like Georgia, right? I mean, we are not, we are not in pure Republican territory anymore. Okay. So you what know? you're saying is that goes back to the six week. Yeah. I, I think, I think the law as it has been written is probably, I, I think I would guess that that's probably where it stays, but who knows? I mean, I, you know, then there's a the question of, well, does Brian Kemp want to have a special session to kind of reevaluate this stuff? That's one possibility. Um, you know, do, do Republicans attempt to say, well, we're not going to, we're going to try to avoid to talk about it because you know, we're going to do the dirty work in 2023. Um, right. And which is probably a better policy uh, strategy and a better electoral strategy to not have to bring this up in 2022. Um, I think there's just a lot of different paths that this can take. And we, I mean, of course it all depends on what the Supreme court does first. Right. I mean, that's, that's the, but but, but you feel no, but, but minds can be changed, right? Like even though that leaked, there still could be things that are different. Sure. I mean, the deliberative process is give and take, but, there are what we know is there's five votes for the basic premise, right? Right that that the Missouri or the Mississippi law was constitutional. Um, I don't think that there's any doubt in my mind that there's going to be a decision that says 15 weeks you can ban abortions, and um, right, which would be a deviation from constitutional law and the rules as it exists, but it would not be a con- 
complete upheaval of the basic fundamental right to privacy or the right to abortion, which is uh, an outgrowth of the right to privacy. Um, you know, the constitutional order might be disrupted by that, but not right upended. That that might be able to garner six votes on the Supreme Court, because I think the Chief Justice would, would sign on to that. Um, you might lose another vote somewhere else or another two votes and, and you know, get not a, you might get a plurality decision that doesn't have the same weight as majority, but you still might have six votes to uphold Mississippi law. So, you know, which is messy, but it's pretty bad still. So, you know, it's like, there's no good outcome. There's no good good outcome. The question is just a matter of, you know, where's the court going to go between overturning everything and saying 15 weeks is okay. I think that's really what we're looking at as opposed to, you know, something more, um, you know, tempered, but this is not a court to. This is not a court that's going to temper their decisions because they're emboldened. They have a six-three conservative majority. They know, frankly, that the majority of the American public is not with them, and their power is probably only going to you know, slide from here. To be honest, so if they're going to strike, this is the moment. And um, unfortunately for them, I think that it's going to engender a lot of backlash in November. You do, yeah, yeah, you do. I, I'm so torn on that, Anthony, because I just feel, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I see that Stacey Abrams has already, you know, said, you know, abortion funds, give to abortion funds. She's diverting her campaign money in that way. And uh, there's a lot riding on her and her campaign has been, you know, I mean, obviously there's been just been so much noise between the primary, between Purdue and Kemp and, um, and her rolling out. And it's, 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 you know, and it, and no matter what happens between Purdue and Kemp, Republicans are pretty united and just hating Stacey Abrams. I mean, sure. I mean, they were always going to, I mean, they have since 2018, but, but I think the bigger question is, you know, and, and, and this election, you know, the gubernatorial election is one thing, but, you know, we have in Georgia in particular a, you know, a, a, a real, um, I mean, I, okay. I think that there's an election more important than the gubernatorial election. If we're going to be honest mm-hmm. about it. You know, if Raphael Warnock is not reelected to the United States Senate and the Democrats lose the majority in the United States Senate, that is a disaster for civil rights and the Constitution because, right, that is where... Not only do we have to get federal legislation to protect things like voting rights and the right to abortion and, and all, all all sorts of other things, but that's where you get Supreme Court con, you know nominations sent um, and and judicial nominations more broadly. And if Mitch McConnell is 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 the majority leader, woe unto us. Um, you know, do I think we could live four more years under Brian Kemp? Yeah, I, right. I don't. I don't. I don't, I, I think everybody knows I'm not voting for Brian Kemp, just to be clear. I understand that. <laughs> but, and, I, and, I, and, and I've actually, I actually asked this to Jen, our last uh, session, um, because I feel there, there's going to be a lot of Kemp Warnock voters. Um, I think there's going to be, especially, uh, but with this, uh, these abortion laws, I don't know now, because I, I feel like... Um, there's one woman, uh, Carla Jacobs, you probably follow her on Twitter, and she's worked for Governor Deal, and she's very involved in Georgia politics, and I actually adore her. Met her on Twitter. We had lunch um, a few weeks ago, and 
we didn't discuss this intimately, but I feel that she's pretty pro-life. She pretty, you know, her social issues lean lean to the right, but she has vo- been very critical and vocal of the Republican Party. And I, I, I gotta believe, and Carla, you can message me that, you know, the the idea of saying like, yes, I'm against abortion, but the idea of no exceptions for rape, incest, or the life of the mother. I, I I just don't, that is just so, so extreme. Well, or under Georgia law, right, in order to get an abortion after six weeks, if there was an instance of, of rape or incest, there would have to be a police report filed. I mean, my God. And, you know, and does anybody know how hard it is to get a police report? So anyway, back, you know, back to her. Um, and I don't want to disclose too much of what she said, but I, I feel like someone like her is a great example of like, someone who may be on the fence right now um, as far as who they're voting for, for governor, um, you know, but you throw in like a Herschel Walker and are people, you know, going to say, oh my God, is, is what is, what what is happening? Let, let me be kind of very blunt about my views. I think Brian Kemp is incredibly conservative, but not in, you know, he's not an insane man, right? Like I would, I, I know you, you kind of, you kind of, like, you always, you know, you, yeah, I, and I agree, I agree with Herschel that. Walker, though, that's insane. That, like an unwell, unhinged, you know, person who I would not trust with my dog, much less my, you know, my, my, you know, anybody in my family, you know, his, his repeated patterns of lying and abuse and violent threats and just unhinged behavior. And it's endemic across, right, the, the Republican Senate can, candidates. Look at the Missouri nominee, right? I mean, just, this is just completely beyond the pale. Brian Kemp's not that, right? Okay. And, so, and, 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 and so, you know, I think that there might be split voters. I, I, but I think the other thing is, like, there's just very few, very few people who split their tickets in the United States anymore. I mean, there used to, that used to be the case. So... You know, I think when push comes to shove, those voters are going to go one way or the other. But I, but I think that if the question is, do you want the police in your life looking into all your intimate details? Do you want to always have to look over your shoulder and worry that something that is innocuous and benign is, is thought of as, you know, potentially criminal um, that nobody ever in the last 50 years would have thought would have been criminal? Do you want to criminalize you know, plan B, do you want to make people live in total constant fear? The answer I think for most people is absolutely not. And, but is it enough? That it, is it enough? That's, 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 that's what I worry about. Well, we're going to have to keep on speculating on this because it's just, it's, it's, um, you know, like I've been looking at the um, primary and maybe you can shed some light on this. Yeah. Uh, you know, they keep showing the primary numbers like and there are a lot more Republicans voting in the primary than the Democrats. Why is that? Well, I mean, one, I think Republicans are always going to be more exercised in a, in a midterm year where Democrats have control sure. federally. I mean, that's that's kind of historically true. Um, I think there's also been a lot more attention spent on the Republican primaries because there were a lot more contested races. Right. Um, right. Like nobody's. I thought that, too. I thought that, too. And I almost thought about taking Republican ballot. Do you I mean, think I, people are doing that? That's possible. I, I don't know. I mean, I've I've 
You could do that, I've right? Done it. Um, I did it when I lived in Athens because um, when Paul Brown left to run for Senate, um, I knew my only voice for United States Congress was going to be in the Republican primary. So, I mean, I voted in the Republican primary because that was my one shot. Yeah. Um, so I, I certainly, you know, I think people could do that. I don't know. If, I mean, I'm also like a much more calculated voter probably <laughs> On well, average, you're, well, right? obviously, so, you're a high information voter, so, but I don't know. it's it, it is it is really weird. Um, Anthony, give us something. Give us some hope. <laughs> That's hard, right? Um, oh, I mean, I think I think here's the thing, right? People have to realize that the Supreme Court has, you know, not to get too academic, but there's right. There's this this. It's famous part of the Federalist Papers, right, where it said the Supreme Court has neither force nor will to do what it wants to do. It has only judgment. And that's absolutely true. You cannot, the Supreme Court not, cannot make you do things that you don't want it to do or that you don't want to do, um, right? You have to believe in the court as an institution in order for you, for you to really care about what the court says. The court, I think, is about to, re- is realizing that they have, they are overstepping their boundaries, that they are overstepping, uh, you know, their their institutional capital, and you know, perhaps that they have gone, uh, you know, too far. Maybe that'll cause the court to go back. But if even if the court doesn't, people can still vote, right? They're, they're, we're not helpless here. And and I have been an adamant adamant, and I think sometimes much to the dismay of some of my more moderate friends, an adamant uh, supporter of court expansion, jurisdiction stripping, like, you know, term limits on the court. We can do that, but we need to get 53, 54, 55 United States senators. That's going to be tough. And that's, that's going to be, be tough, tough. But you got to do it. And okay. if you don't, then you're, then we're doomed. And, and you know, that's <laughs> that's on us because there are winnable races. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me shift gears a little bit. Um, let's talk about this uh, DA, uh, Fonnie Willis, and uh-huh. what's going on with that. The grand jury uh, in Atlanta earlier this week, the traffic was shut down because they were. Why do they have to shut it down? Because they, they're worried about protesters, security. Explain to me why they did that. Probably all of the above. Okay. That's okay. above my pay grade. Okay. <laughs> um, and so it, this is into the investigation into, you know, Trump and the election and, and, and trying to uh, fix the election or, or, you know, overturn Georgia um, is, I, I mean, and, and so many people are saying that this is such a gamble for her. Um, is it? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest, if she doesn't have, if there aren't indictments coming soon, I'm going to, I'm going to be looking for another candidate. I mean, that because, listen, you cannot be a pro-death penalty Democrat who failed to get an indictment or at least really rigorously pursue an indictment against Donald Trump for brazenly trying to overthrow democracy in our, you know, in our our own county and then ask me for your vote again. No, thank you. So you seem kind of cynical on this whole thing. When we talked the last time we talked to you about this in the podcast, you seem to feel that she had a lot of ammo. Well, I think she does. I think she's going to do it. No, I mean, I, I, I have a hundred percent faith that she's going to, you know, exhaust every every opportunity to subpoena people and to ask the special grand jury to investigate things and and leave no stone unturned. I think I think she realizes, like, not. I mean, to be cynical, her career is riding on is this. riding on it. Yeah, but. It, but, but but I think she also probably recognizes that democracy rides on this. Like the great, the 
the great failure of Reconstruction in, in the late 1800s was that we let people get away with this kind of anti-democratic nonsense, and and they paid no price for it. Yeah. And so that that allowed anti-democratic impulses to fester, and it inspired a, right new generations and of bad actors, um, right, which we did not really get out of our system in a right meaningful way until 1965. Do we want to do that again? I think the answer is no. And I think she also shares that answer. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to, you know, I'll backpedal a little bit of, you know, my, my harshness towards her right. earlier, right? Yeah. In the sense of like, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to vote for her if, if she just kind of disappoints me on two major issues of, of fundamental importance to me, which I think a lot of Democratic voters share. But I don't think that she's going to do that. I mean, I think she's going to do the right thing. But I think the reason why... And this is where I, I, I reject some of the arguments that my fellow liberals you know, are making, like, why, where are the indictments? You know, this is such an important case. Um, no matter what happens with the January 6th com- committee, right, no matter what happens in, you know, New York's investigations kind of have spun out a little bit. Um, and I don't know much about that, but I know it's spun out. Um, but this one is actually more important to me because it's actually, the New York stuff was about, you know, Trump, Trump organization. organization. I don't care. We all know I, he's he's been charged yeah. for things before. But this one, I mean, I, I guess about democracy. you would have to think, though, if you're putting your whole career and your image, your livelihood on the line, she's got to have. Yeah, she's got she's got to have. And I think but I think she also wants to make sure that every stone right is is unturned and every piece of evidence followed and nothing left up to doubt, right? She's going to want to make sure that this is rock solid. And, right. I, and so I applaud her for, for doing this. And I think, um, you know, if anything, I think that, that there's so much there. Um, well, as Jen always says, um, and we talked about this too, <laughs> you've got the dude on tape. Yeah, but that's not enough, right? I mean, we talked about this before. We talked about intent right. and all of that. But there's but so much more. There's, there's so, so much. much there's, I mean, the, I mean con- like, for example, the Kanye, the Kanye West thing, thing, right? Like, that's nuts. But I want to know who talked to that representative from Kanye and when and why and what was the motivation and was it directed from the same person? Because we have to remember that this is not a special grand jury to investigate Donald Trump. It is an investigation to, uh, of, of the aftermath of the November election to pressure state officials to engage in election fraud. That certainly includes Donald Trump, but it probably includes other people. I want to know, did Rudy Giuliani have a hand in this? I want to know, did Mark Meadows have a hand in this? I want to know, were they collaborating together in all of this and who were they talking to and when and why and what decisions were made? So, uh, you know, I would go as far to say there's a conspiracy afoot. And I want to go as far as to say that if that's true and it's borne out by the facts, they need to be prosecuted. And that's why we're that's why we're here. So, well, it feels like everybody else gets in trouble except Trump. <laughs> He's the only one who just is like, hey, I'm going to be I'm going to speak at your bar mitzvah. <laughs> Nothing happens to me at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> I mean, that's all he does. Um, well, we'll have to keep our eye on that. Um, we'll wrap up here because we have to have something light and funny because my gosh, all of this is so heavy. And, and I think so many people are thankful for you for your insight and your activism. And, and, you know, we've made a lot of, uh, Twitter as a cesspool, garbage dump, hellfire site, but we've also made a lot of great friends. I mean, you're here because we met through Twitter because I love Anthony's, um, memes. I love how you make law gay. Very. 
<laughs> I mean, I just, I love that about you, but you've gotten, you've gotten some shit for that, right? Sure. Yeah. But, but you know what? That's, you know, you take it or leave it. That's my, that's my philosophy. I mean, here, here's my thoughts, right? I mean, I've got serious scholarship, right? I'm, I'm writing a book this summer. I have law review articles. I have book chapters and, and I have op-eds where, you know, and people can read this. It's all open access, right? Where it's like, here's the history I'm studying. Here's the constitutional provisions I want to to analyze. And here's where we've been and here, here's where we're going and here's where we shouldn't go and why. And and that stuff I put out there all the time and I do the same thing on, you know, you know, like we talked about earlier, the, the media interviews, right, where I have a very serious approach to the issues at hand and try to educate the public about the different values that are at stake. Mm-hmm. And no one would no one would critique any of that, right? The media interviews or the actual scholarship or, you know, anything But on like Twitter. That, right. <laughs> and, but but no one would accuse me of like, you know, not taking it seriously. But on yeah. Twitter, that's my space, right? Like yeah. That's 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 a place where I can both try to educate folks and express personal opinions and also you know, have some personality to it because if, you know, if I wanted to be a boring, you know, a boring, you know, Wall Street Journal journalist, I could have been that after, you know, undergrad, you know, I could have gone that route. I didn't. Um, and I also think that people don't seem, you know, people don't want to engage with people who have no personality either. And so my perspective is, you know, if you're a Twitter follower of mine, I, you know, every morning I'm like, oh, Twitter fam, you know, hey, Twitter fam, like, here's what we're doing today. And because I feel like it's, it's building, it's community building and that's important. And that's also why, you know, there are, and we've talked about this before, like, you know, there are, there are conservative Republicans in this state who follow me on Twitter and I follow them and we have a nice rapport. Oh, it's so true. Well, well, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's really, so that's been an interesting eye opening thing. Um, is that, you know, I've actually been very, very active on Twitter, probably too much. So, uh, for my own well being, but at the same time, you find everything out there and you do connect with people. And I had one tweet in particular on Monday night, that um that just went viral and it got so many comments that were just like i mean it was just and i it was very very obvious that it was bots you know it was just it was total fake just fake people um but you've had some people like fellow liberals by the way who who have (laughs) had real issues with me so much as as to inquire into the uh the, the contraceptive practices of my wife, which was news to me and my boyfriend, I suppose. Um, although I guess I haven't really talked about that to him. So, you know, yikes. Oh uh, my God. It's, it is, it is Poor pretty. Paul. I think his name was Paul. <laughs> Poor Paul. If you're listening, Paul, I'm sure you're not, but if you're listening, Paul, hello. And you, you get, um, screenshotted on, um, Fox news. And, oh. and I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I, I learned that too with, um, you know, it's at least I can go through and I block people, um, the bots I do. Cause I don't want to get me, me again. And I know like someone like, like Jen can't do that. She can't do that on her official account. She can't block anybody, but she probably is just like, too busy to be bothered with it but you know it's 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 a tough you know it's a tough space no see the nice thing is like i don't get a lot of that because i think my tweets on occasion i will write because you're a dude well that's well but the the homophobes come out fairly often yeah but but i think the thing is is you know i i get that kind of nonsense when i have clickbaity tweets right um and and sometimes i do that because that's you know I just, I'm angry or 
I'm, you know, very earnestly opposed to something, whatever. And then, and I want to make a very sharp point and I get, I get a lot of that nastiness, right? I'll get the, I'll get some, you know, homophobic stuff and I'll get, you know, folks who, who attack, you know, trans people because they know I've got trans friends and I'm right. I'm, I'm oh, very, very much into the LG. I'm and very, we haven't right? even talked about the trans and, stuff. Oh, but you know, a lot of the other things that I talk about, I think I tend to be just technical enough with the legal analysis that it kind of stays within the, the community I've cultivated of, you know, lawyers, law professors, people who are politically minded. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of self, you know, cabin in, in a sense that, you know, sometimes the crazies don't find those tweets because maybe they don't know what I'm talking about. Well, right? I, you know, I love if someone's willing to have a, a normal conversation, even if we don't agree, I'm totally open to that. Yeah. Um, I think people, but that's how you know the, the bots are fake. Anyway, Anthony, uh, it's so you go by Anthony Christ. Yeah. In, but not Michael. So that's only on Twitter. That's, oh, we can, that's a whole nother. Story. Okay. Because that's I've been a, calling you Anthony Michael the whole time. I mean, I don't so know. do they, do your students call you Professor Christ? Professor, yeah. A okay. couple call me doctor, but mostly professor. Doctor? Yeah. I didn't know you were a doctor. I'm a doctor. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. so impressive. Nobody calls me doctor. I'm nope. okay with that. I though. mean, well, I was calling you, um, uh, notorious, uh, AMK. AMK. So most actually a lot of my, <laughs> a lot of my students, especially like ones, once they graduate, they call me AMK because judges, when you're a clerk, you often talk about judges in their initial terms. Yeah. Right? So, so, um, you know, Samuel Alito, for example, is Samuel Anthony Alito. So he's like SAA, um, right. Or Sonny Sotomayor, right. Will, ever, will be referred to by her initials by clerks. So there's like that kind of tradition, um, and I also sign all my emails because I'm a boring academic AMK. Yep. Um, so a lot of my students have actually also come to eventually just refer to me as AMK. All right. Uh, so, you know, we go by whatever. All right. <laughs> AMK, TCB, man. Yeah. Keep it up. Keep up the fight. Thanks for uh, filling in for uh, Senator Jen. And we will do, we'll, we'll do it again. And uh, thanks to Christina Larringer for always being a great producer on the other end of this. Thanks for listening to the Vote Her podcast. Listen, go to Jen, the number four GA.com. Uh, listen, if you have money, give my, give it to Jen. Because she, he, he, what I, the biggest thing I've learned in working with her is that in anything in this operation, in this critical time, they need money. They need phone bankers. They need text bankers. They need people on their campaign. And, you know, some of the higher profile campaigns, they have a lot of folks that are doing it. But uh, the attorney general matters. And um, as Anthony knows, and as I know, Jen is beyond qualified and, and we really need her there. Um, these are the things that she never lets me say when I'm sitting with her. Um, so. She's always like, uh, you know, but open your wallet and give it to Jen. Anthony, thank you so much for being here. Of course. 